Nah, fuck rap, I'm a street legend Black love me with a deep reverence I was birthed in a C-section Helicopters and police presence We got ops, so we keep weapons We on y'all block while y'all eat breakfast A lot of shots, we broke street records Watch how you talk, I got reflexes Watching your cheap necklace Then we slide at the east exit But every time we get the fucking niggas up TMZ catching Y'all still learning street lessons From the mastermind first you master grind and your team catching This time it's for the money, I don't need credit And I'm the dog cause the street said it Look Fuck rap, I'm a street legend And I'm the dog cause the street said it Black love me with a deep reverence And I'm the dog cause the street said it And I got pressure on me Seven days a week is game seven on me Life will test you out, you live through that, that's the testimony Alright, alright guys Hello, hello, hello Welcome back to another amazing, fantastic, magical, healing episode This is Damio And I am Erica Mona And this is Cross-Cultured, Cross-cultured. Alright you guys, uh, welcome back, thanks for coming back Thanks for listening, subscribe to us, follow us yes, Shout ma'am. out to our live audience right now If you guys want to be part of that, make sure you follow us on our Instagram At CrossXCultured podcast all right well happy sunday well we're recording this on a sunday yes because you know what it was one of our co-hosts birthday oh you got the right one Thank you so much. Oh my god. Wow, it was amazing. So let me guys let me just you guys really quick. So this girl right here. So I you know, I plan to talk, I'm gonna have a picnic, you know, but I'm really bad with planning events like that's just, just not my forte at all. Anyway. And she's like, Oh, just let me do it, you know. I'm like, Okay, 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 cool. But, like, what I envisioned was just, you know, small picnic, you know, blankets, pillows. I was going to pick, order a picnic blanket from Amazon. But, girl, she hit up Sefi's Concept. The shout-out to Sefi's Concept. Shout-out to Sefi's okay. Concept. Um, Sefi's Concept, she does picnics, she does events. And let me tell you something, it was a whole shebang. Like, I was surprised. It was at a different location. I'm thinking some just regular park. It was a nice location. The weather was beautiful. You know, it was balloons. And everyone that I texted, like... They just, they knew about it. I just, listen, I was just shocked. Like, wait, is this for real? Like, this, this is really happening? I'm just happy you enjoyed your birthday and you had a great day. It was wonderful. Um, it was, I it's, it was what I needed. Like, I just oh. felt so great, uplifted. I'm like, oh, look at, look at my best friend. Oh, I mean, happy man. 26. <laughs> Cross-culture loved you. Oh. I, after 25, I said I was going to keep my age oh, private. I didn't but, know yeah, I was 26. It's okay. Okay, I'm sorry. It's well. okay. <laughs> You're youthful, so yes, 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 yes. I'm still in my prime. You are prime, but yes, thank you guys. Thank you. You know, cash app us cross culture. What was that cross culture? We need to get to cross culture. We do have a cross culture cash app, app, guys. You know, we're gonna gonna throw that out there for y'all. We're gonna put it in the bio, as a matter of fact, so you can donate to us. Yes, please donate. Okay, if you love this podcast, you enjoy this podcast, even if it's just five dollars. Never know, you know. We just bought some new equipment. We sure do. You know, you know. Donate to our ministry, you know. (laughs) (laughs) But yes, let's just get this episode started. You guys know we start with hot topics. All right. Um. So you guys know. First thing first, let's um (sighs) get rid of the sad stuff. Yeah. And um, the uh, the first thing that comes to mind that's really sad is unfortunately this week we lost a real life superhero. Chadwick Boseman um, passed away at 43 from colon, colon cancer. cancer. Um, he passed away on Friday evening is when the reports came out. Um, yeah, so apparently he has been battling stage 3. He got diagnosed with stage 3 colon cancer in 2016, and it has escalated to stage 5. Um, so yeah. now, it's just sad. It's just sad. I, I really don't have the words for it. I don't have... Um, a lot in me to report about it. It's just really unfortunate to see someone of his magnitude and his talent have to be gone so soon. Yeah, it's 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 like I think this is actually one of the few ones I'll say really hit me because you know, of course, when celebrities dies, it's like, oh man, rest in peace. You know, it's tragic. But oh man, I was just like, he really like. At the age of 43, yeah. young, yeah. you know, even with colon cancer, the advice that men should, you know, get, you know, the do the testing for, check their colons checked and stuff like that f- at the age of, like, 45 or yeah. something, their late 40s. 
So the fact that he got it at 39, it's just quite sad. It's ridiculous. It's like, what is going on? Like, how worse can 2020 get? Like, what, yeah. what, what is it? And then the amazing part is the fact that when he had colon cancer, you know, he did Black Panther. He did um, all the Marvel all, movies. All, exactly. Thorgood Marshall. Yeah. It's just like he did the like. Jackie Robinson, James Brown. He did like Brown. five movies all within four years. And we will know like, you know, those are big blockbusters movies. You know what I'm saying? Like it sometimes movies takes a long time to record, to shoot. So for him to be able to like successfully do that while looking good, healthy, playing the roles without looking sick. You know what I mean? Like yeah. sounding sick. I know there's a time on social media that we saw how very skinny he looked. Yeah. And people were calling him crackhead. Or then, you know, majority of us did think that um, it, was for, it was for a role. And it's just like, this man was really suffering in silence. That he was suffering in silence. And I'm happy that, you know, he had his family. His wife was there with him. Um, I, think, go ahead. I was going to say, I think he definitely taught us a lesson in um, what it means to create legacy and what, like, that looks like. And... Just creating your own narrative, especially being in that industry where your life is kind of on front street um, and you're a public figure, and to have something that intimate and that impactful happen, and for us to only have his, his, his the glory of him, his talents to share and to talk about, I think it, it just really taught me a lesson in, like, creating that legacy, like, letting, what do you want to leave on the earth? Man, he would not be yeah. forgotten at what all. What do you want to leave? He just would not be forgotten, like... Rest in peace, Chadwick. <sighs> May God comfort his family, those that he's left behind. And I pray his legacy continues to live on mm-hmm. forever and forevermore. Um, so, yes, we're still talking about negative news. Um, Jacob Blake. So, we all know that. When did this happen? Was this last week? Um, so, the Jacob with in, the incident with Jacob Blake, I believe, happened earlier in the week. I think, I think it was Monday night. Man, it just seemed like this um, shit's been going on for months upon months upon months. It's like every new... Like, story. So what happened, Jacob Blake? So Jacob Blake is um, a man from Kenosha, Wisconsin. He was actually just finished breaking up a fight uh, in the neighborhood amongst some girls. And the police were called, of course, to try to, like, calm the fight down. What happened is they saw him, a black man, and began to start trying to pull him back. As he was walking away to his car with his children in the car, police officers shot him in the back seven times. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, <laughs> currently, thank God he has survived. However, he is, um, paralyzed forever. Um, they said it will be a miracle if he ever walks again. So yeah, that's currently the climate that we are in. We have yet another unarmed black man, innocent man in front of his children who, um, in front of his children. the intention was to kill him. It couldn't have been just to unarm him. The intention was to kill him. One black man, you shot him in the black back seven times. Two, Why seven officers. times? It's like so. You guys are both holding guns, and you felt that threat. So now in the news, you're saying, "Oh, he had a knife in the car." What I gotta do? Anything? It just really shows how exactly irrelevant. It shows how crazy it is because the police were called for two white women that were fighting. Yeah, and y'all turned. It to this black man and this black... I wonder how those white women feel. Like, do they feel like shit? I mean, they don't feel like nothing because it's not their... You know, like, to me, America's just a, such a flawed country. And I think that 2020, as ironic or whatever it is, 2020 vision and all of that, we really are being exposed to the infrastructures of what this country is and, and how, how it's set up against us and what it really means to be black in America. Yeah. I just say I just think that if you didn't know before, this is finally the awakening moment where everybody in this country knows what it means to be black in America. Yes, and to in response to that, you know, various teams across major league sports boycott their games in the wake of the Jacob Blake um, shooting. So basketball games, WNBA players, you know, they're all taking a knee. Um, I think it's a good thing. Yeah, I saw some soccer players, mm-hmm. um, that tennis player, the the half. A uh, black half Asian girl. Mm-hmm. She forfeited the game as well. Oh, um, so it definitely was a stand. But I think that it's it's almost a stand. It was beautiful in the moment, and we love to see it. It brought attention to something. Um, but then for them to like continue to play the next day, you know, LeBron made a post on his Instagram talking about y'all don't say that we postponed it. Say that this is a boycott. 
And it's kind of like, mm. yeah, like now you got to put your foot in your mouth because y'all did just postpone it. Yeah. Like it wasn't the boycott. But I don't blame him. You know, at the end of the day, it's people's jobs. He's not a one-man band. It's that whole organization against him. So I'm not going to put that on him. Yeah. Um, and I think that it was great that they took a stand, but... I know Draymond Green, he was saying that, you know, he stands with his brothers, you know, making a stand. But he said, why can why can sports wait? Because we do have a job to do. You know, so he was saying that, um, you know, sports, it is also a business, like that many other businesses in the world. Why is it that sports can wait, but other businesses should not? Um, if that is the case, why shouldn't the CEO of YouTube boycott Alphabet and other YouTube shows? And why is it that why is it that um, basketball has to be boycotted? I get it because you know it, it is your job. They're gonna mm-hmm. get paid. You know we don't know how this boycott may affect you know their Some pay. Some of the lower level play. Everybody you know? isn't LeBron and Steph and yeah. these big multi million dollar names. You I know? get it. Some some people are like. I make seven hundred thousand. Exactly. And I need to know how I'm gonna feed my yeah. family. Like I'm not making endorsement deals. But I also think that's true. That is very true because the endorsement deals are what what makes a lot of them millionaires yeah. and stuff like that. But I also do think that you know we know how important sport. I think the reason why you know LeBron James and them, besides the fact they can afford to do it, um, but sports is a major thing in America. It's that's one of that's actually Americans' culture. You yeah. know, when you say what's America's culture, it's sports football, culture. basketball, yeah. it's the sports. Like, their whole sports, like, it, it, it's everything to them, you know? So, even from the lowest income to the highest income individual, they love their sports. So, it's like, you know, and majority, you know, the, the big leagues, basketball, football, majority of the players are what? They're a black, you know? Mm. So, it's like, you know, you guys love sports so much, but you guys don't love us. You don't love our bodies. You are killing us like nothing. You only like us when we are... You know, on the court, on the field, but once we step off, we are niggas, we are animals. So it's like, okay, we're gonna take that away from you because you guys do invest so many, so much money in this, you know. So I get it, you know, but um, I don't know if it's gonna make a difference. I hope so because at the same time, I know as we, as you said, it's not like they can afford to boycott it for a very, very long time. Right, and that's just the thing. It's just kind of like, at what, what are the demands? I think I'm just getting to the point where. We're seeing a lot of performative activism in a lot of different arenas. And though the intention might be pure, I think that we do need to get to a point where um, we are we are making actionable items. And this is what and in, in, in this moment when this thing with the sports happened, this is where I was like, okay, did Rock Nation just not sign a whole contract with the NFL and it was supposed to be this social yeah. justice initiative and Colin. and like all yeah. of that with Jay Z and you know when they were all sitting there. That's true. So I'm like, this is a moment where now would be that intervention, right? That social justice in- initiative. That's true. So these are the things man, that I mean when I say I need action. America is just so messed up, man. It's 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 bogus. It's 2020 it definitely is vision. Okay, like yeah. it's bringing everything like clear, like. Yeah. Oh, Jesus. But, you know, in the midst of all this going on, Jeff Bezos becomes the first person in history to be worth $200 billion. Billion. No million. Billion dollars. One person. Deja vu, because we just said this. I feel like we were just talking about how rich he is. Exactly. And now he's more rich in the middle of a global pandemic. So, so he, you know, we all know him as the Amazon founder and CEO, and he is worth $204.6 billion, nearly $90 billion more than the world's second richest person, which is Bill Gates. And Bill Gates is worth $116.1 billion. Hey, billions. Woo-wee. I'm sorry, I felt that in my chest that time. Just. Billions. It's like, what do you do? I mean, I, I don't know of any, like, charity work or foundation stuff he does. I would like to hope. He has some. Tax the rich. That's all the foundation. That's, That's all the charity you need. Tax the rich. That's it. That's hoarding wealth. Um, And, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, you know, that's people's hard-earned money, mm-hmm. so on and so forth. And it's like, that's cool, too. Nobody said that it doesn't have to be, but he has to be accountable for distributing it. Exactly. Like, if Amazon is worth that much, then that means if I work for Amazon, I have a chance of making a a, a, a 30th of what you make. Because he's like, yeah, it's uh, you know, he created Amazon, but at the same time, he has an army of people behind him who yeah. is making it successful. Heck, I'm ordering shit from Amazon. That's all my money. Time. Okay, all the... So my cousin worked from Amazon. He's like, he's like, it's a lot. Do you know, like, I... I Wish that the pay is more. Like, there's yeah. been news reports saying that he doesn't really care about his workers and stuff like that. Because so, it's like, yeah, like if, if you're working, if your CEO is worth billions of dollars, 
at the lowest level, so let's say, uh, uh, what is it? Uh, um, uh, what were some things that they be working in? Where's your mom? Where they pack the stuff. The packing? The warehouse. The warehouse, Like yes. a warehouse worker, that means they should be making no less than $30 an hour. At least 20-something. They be making like 13 Yeah. 15 That's what I would imagine, because you're saying that you have that much invested in the company that you can afford to, and they should get benefits. Exactly. Good benefits. So, you know, you know, yeah, he made his money, but don't, don't, ex- I don't understand how rich people expect to be taxed the same way, the same way middle class or lower class people yeah. are taxed. Like, that doesn't even make sense. How? How is the country going to become a better country? How? So I that, don't know. Yeah, tax the rich. But people Sorry, be selfish. He can't handle billions to himself. So, why is and, it 200 billion? And the people in the world are like, no, come on. That's, that's, that's ridiculous. Where's your humanity here? That's but, ridiculous. Okay. I mean, I want to be a billionaire you too. You're never going to spend that much on yourself. You're not. you never. No, you're not. What is this? What can you buy? I would be funding countries if I was a billionaire. I would. Real, real talk. Like. I really would. I actually really would. Um, Let's get into some other juicy stuff. So, we got rid of the. So, 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 so some of the more serious stuff. Let's get into something that was supposed to be serious but turned into a gag. Yeah. Okay, let's talk about Masika. Now, Masika um, got into a little bit of hot water this weekend or this week because she decided that she was going to reenact a domestic abuse scenario mm. on OnlyFans and said that it actually was supposed to be bringing awareness to this foundation. I believe it's called the Rose Foundation. Yes. And it's supposed to be for domestic violence um, survivors. Now, she says that she did this because she was on the board and, you know, they wanted to raise money and she thought this was a great way to raise money. Mm -hmm. However, the board chairs are stepping out saying that we don't know what Masika's talking about. Did nobody approve this? Shorty not even on the board. Like, this is a lot. Um, Just to give you guys a little bit more about that, Masika also got dropped from her UMC Show deal. So apparently mm. she was on the set on set when she was doing this, like in between takes. Because she was recording a show. Right. Yeah. So, so um, you know, UMC ain't want no parts of that. So they apparently have dropped her from the show Double Cross. Man, um, yeah, the organization is Rose Organization. And she she definitely tweaked. And if you do look at the little skit that she posts, it was ridiculous. Like it, no, it's like, are you making jest of the situation? It just wasn't like, you know, I think that it, this is another case of people who've been in the industry so long, they're confused, their um, popularity for talent. Like, Masika thought she could act, and she thought she was giving us a scene. And listen, she was in her panties and her bra. And, like, she thought and she was giving us bra. something, but Masika. She was in her damn panties. She just she see she be disgraced in Chicago. That's why we don't claim. Oh, her. she is from Chicago. We don't claim her. She do too much. Stay I in beg. LA. You're I LA beg. Girl. I beg. She do too much. It's ridiculous. Ridiculous. Yeah, but you goofy. <sighs> anyway, another thing. Well, Tony Braxton says she should have had more sex at a younger age and partied more. And she expresses how religion stopped her. I'm like, oh. I can relate. Yeah. I mean, even though I'm the I'm younger age, young. yeah. yeah but- but I get that feeling because she definitely, her dad is a pastor. She comes from a very religious family, grew up, you know, singing in church. Um, so I understand, despite the fact that, you know, she became famous at a young age, I think like 18, 19, um, you know, her family was in her life. You know, her sister were background right. singers, like her mom was in her life. Um, but it's like, you know, now that she's, oh, yeah, she's like, I regret not having more sex. I should have drank more. I should have partied more. I should have smoked even cause she's 52 now. Mm. She said, I think my religious upbringing stopped me doing a lot of things that I should have done. It's not a good look at the age I am now. The way it works is you do that stuff in your twenties and thirties. And then in your forties, you've earned enough to pay for therapy. Uh. Okay. So, mm, mm. no, but mm. I do, I do understand that feeling of, um, you know, don't ask permission, just ask forgiveness, you know, and it's just kind of like, just, you got to take those risks so you can have something to talk about, so you can have an experience to live through, so you can just... To say you have fun. To say you did it. Sometimes it really is like, this didn't add shit to my life, but it's just to say I did it. Yeah, you know, I get it as a Christian girl, I understand the pressures of, you know, wanting to be holy and pure and not to look wayward and stuff like that. But I think we can also, def- you know, it depends on your definition of fun, too. True. You know what I mean? Like, you know, you being, okay, even if you say, oh, I wish I partied more and I did this, but something negative could have happened. And therapy ain't easy. We're in therapy right now. You know what I mean? So, and it's like, okay, you did all this crazy stuff and you think you just have one therapy session, it's over. You know, it's, it's going to be a lot of unpacking, you know? 
while you were partying and doing all this crazy stuff, you may have had some trauma. You may have been raped. Something like yeah, I, I, get I, I think I think her adding the whole um, get the, therapy. I'm just kind of like, girl, don't dramatize it. But I understand yeah. the essence of like take a risk because eighty percent of the time. You know, it's just gonna be a fun night, a story. Exactly. Yeah. So, you wanna be free. You know, yeah. And I think that's just because, and that's because that's the mentality. I feel like she had growing up yeah. that this is gonna lead to this. Yeah. Because her even going to just, I should just had the therapy. It's like, no, that's not. It's not because people lived life that they now have trauma. Yeah. People. Yeah. Um, yes. Had had did poor decisions in that moment or whatever, whatever. Exactly. I mean, hey, you could even be in the house all day and still need therapy. Okay, because here I am. <laughs> <laughs> like, no, I, I get it. I, I get it. Um, what what else is what other news? Ah, so this is the crazy thing that was going on in social media. Y'all look. <laughs> What would you do if you had found out one of your boyfriends was like he came out later being gay, man, and not just gay like with a like with racist a gay Ooh. transgender? I feel like I'll be like, how did I not see it? Like, is it that he acted so well, he covered it so well, he was so straight that I could not see any signs that he was gay? But I guess it does happen every day with many men being on the DL. It will hurt my feelings because now I'm just like you I'm speechless. Enemy. Yeah, I would be speechless. So, like, basically, the story we're talking about is this week in the media, Jeffrey Star uh, posted a picture with his bow, and you know, the Shade Room is the investigative unit of Girl, the universe. Did the investigation, uh, and it turns out that they found out he is professional basketball player, international professional basketball player Andre Marhalt. Okay, um, now on top of them doing this work, you know, it was like whatever. We found out who his boo was, but what ended up making this juicy was his baby mama came out and was like, hey, um, you know, I, ca- I can't believe you did this to me. I love and you. And our son. And our son. So to me, it seems like they have some sort of back and forth relationship going. Um, And this is her finding out that he he's gay. Or and he another has... girlfriend, ex-girlfriend of his posted on Twitter as well. Really? Yeah, that What's I saw. Saying? And she was saying the same thing, like, wow, my ex is gay. And, you know, I think the whole, I think the... You know, the whole thing about it is not even just the fact that he's gay. It's like, okay, nowadays, you're gay, fine, whatever. Right. You know what I'm saying? You've been bisexual, you're just coming out. But it's the fact that it's Jeffree Star. So Jeffree Star is a YouTube, um, you know, makeup, makeup artist, artist yeah. whatever, whatever. He's very popular. He has his own makeup line, this and that. But he's known and he's been seen and heard to make racist remarks towards black people, black women specifically, like how... Oh, black women should. What he said? He's just so mean comments about yeah. black women's skin, how mm-hmm. they look. So it's like, okay, you're a black gay man. Does that still does it make it okay for to be with a racist? You know, you know what I mean? A, yeah. a, a white yeah. man who has said negative things concerning black women, even if okay, mind you, you have a, a, a black mother, you have a black baby mama. Okay, yeah. so even if you're not, let's say you never have a black baby mama, you never attract to win, but still towards your own race. I think yeah. that's just dirty. Like I feel like um, a lot of there, there are a, quite a few gay black men that feel like their sexuality transcends their race. Mm-hmm. Like the like like I I no longer have to fight these issues. I mean, I feel like it's a dichotomy. I'm not gonna. Say, it's not all, of course. But I think there is like a a certain segment of. Those gay Definitely. black men that ignore their blackness just to fit in with their their gay your community. Partner. Exactly. And it's like if this person don't want your blackness, they don't want you. Man, I just think it was just it's just dirty. It's just even with the picture the picture they posted, and now they're posting hella pictures with them holding hands, and yeah, it's like they're Jeffrey's, making it very public and raunchy, and just they, she's trying it. And Jeffree Star, he's not even a cute guy. He doesn't look gold. Like yeah, he's exactly. all bones. It's like he looks like a dinosaur. Like. It's not this India what you're more. Tr- okay. Okay. Because it's India more. I'll be like, oh, I get it. She's you know, but this is what you're... And it's like, okay, but this is what you're attracted to. Exactly. This is the guy you find attractive. And it's also like, we have kids. This is how you decided to release this information. You got a son. You, yeah, like, come on. It's ridiculous. But, you know, that was some juicy stuff, you know, in the media. And we're just like, what? So let's get into, you know... The segment of the week that we like to call Olodo. Yes, of the week. Of the week. Okay. Let's um, so in Olodo, in case you don't know, just to make sure, it's like somebody who's disgraceful, goofy, mm-hmm. you know, does a, a poor decision. So let's get into that. An Olodo. 
somebody who is a dumbass, stupid, makes poor decisions, comparable to a donkey. Goofass. Goofass. So this week's Olodo um, is somebody that is just a little bit beyond an Olodo to me. No, because a lot of somebody that just you know he you you did some goofy stuff, but this person is a murderer. Mm. Um, they're a racist. Mm-hmm. They're a menace to society. Um, they're one of those people that is a cancer to society. And his name is Kyle Rittenhouse. Mm. Okay, now for those of you who don't know who that is, Kyle Rittenhouse is a seventeen-year-old monster that went to um, the protests that were happening in Wisconsin. And decided to let off an arm rifle in the crowd, killing two people. What makes this an even more disgusting act of violence and racism is how in cahoots he was with the police officers at the protest. He was able to not only nod and smile at them, but he was able to walk past them freely. Freely. To the point where he turned himself in two hours later. Man, and you know, a third person is actually injured. So hopefully this third person does not die. Since his arrest on Wednesday, he has been charged with first-degree intentional homicide and two counts of recklessly endangering safety. Man, this America is something, man. I don't understand. I don't understand. Now there are different posts like, oh, look at him doing community service when he was younger. Oh, oh, you know, he has some whatever, Oh, childhood trauma. It's like, please, please, please. Now you want to create different excuses for him. Why is that an excuse? Why? I'm pushing that his parents get charged as well. Yes. Um, because he's a minor. Yep. He's 17. Yep. And people trying to be like, oh, he's just a kid. First no. All, Trayvon was just a kid. Um, Tamir was just a kid. Okay. You know, these were kids. Ayana was just a kid. So these were kids who really weren't doing anything. Mike Brown was, you know, maybe I think he was 18, but he was still a kid. Yeah. And I saw a video, a picture of um, this Kyle guy on Twitter of when he was very young, maybe 10, and he was holding like a big-ass rifle. And someone Twitter saying like, you know what, I don't even want to hear or believe that they say, oh, he didn't grow up in this atmosphere. It's like a 10-year-old holding a big rifle, and then as a 17-year-old, he, uh, you know, ends up shooting. It's like... Obviously, you grew up in a racist household. There's, there's yeah. no way. There's just no way. It's just it's no like, way. How? That's what I'm saying. How does your 17-year-old have a firearm enough for him to travel across state? So this is the... T- Kyle is from Antioch. I think that's how, yeah. you, how you pronounce it. Antioch, Illinois. So he drove three hours with this passion and vengeance in him to go and do this. To go and quote-unquote protect the police. <sighs> protect oh. the police. I don't know. It's sad, though. I'm just over it. And it's sad. No, 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 no. It's, it's it's very sad and depressing. You know, I feel bad for those who died. It's, oh, Jesus Christ. I pray that, you know, God comfort their family. And I really do pray justice is served. Like, I don't want to hear, oh, oh, we're going to use the whole yeah. mental... You yeah. know, mental health thing, like, oh, we're just going to take him to a psych ward, and then he's going to get some small sentence, and then he's eligible for parole in four years. He's the death penalty. Exactly. Or then they say he's going to be on house arrest. No. Like, this is ridiculous. Minor or not, you, you had the sense enough to travel, do there, shoot. There are a lot of 16 and 17-year-old black kids who get tried as adults for drug charges. So, so let's not. Gee, for simple arm robbery. Let's not even do and that. And they're still in jail today that Just they served their time for 20, 30 years for small-ass crimes. So this is just another reminder to vote in November, everybody. Next month is, um, well, I guess technically it's September, but soon enough we're going to be in October. If you're doing mail-in ballots, please make sure you do that early before mm-hmm. October 20th, um, by October 20th latest. Yes, yes, yes. Um, but let's get into... Wait, is that all of our hot topics? That is all of our hot ah, topics and our Olodo of the week. It is all of our hot topics. So we're about to head into our main topic. Our main topics. We just want to say thank you for our live listeners and watchers for watching and commenting. And catch the rest of this on our streaming platforms, Apple uh, Podcast, Spotify, iHeartRadio, SoundCloud. SoundCloud. Yes. And for those, those of you listening to us right now, um, you can definitely watch our live on Instagram. It's on the IGTV. 
you know, you want to see how we look, what, you know, how we sound and stuff, you know, you know, put a face to our voices, please tune in. We also have a YouTube page as well, so you could also watch it on our YouTube page. But today we are going to get into our, t- our main topics and our main topic, as you know, um, last week, Dami talked about her childhood trauma. And she shared her beautiful story with us. And we actually got, you know, some feedback, Dami. Like, I had a friend of mine. She said that this that episode was actually one of our favorite episodes. And I'm just like, and I was like, yeah, because it's deep. I like our personal, you know, self episodes where we, like, reveal something about ourselves, about emotions, about our upbringing. Because, you know, not every day we want to talk about other people, like media and stuff like that. Sometimes we want to get personal. And, you know, this is not just for our audience listening. But it's also a healing thing for us as well, you know. Like, this is this is a form of therapy for us. It really, it is. really it's is. Just kind of a way to um, get some of this stuff out and just um, be able to heal people while healing ourselves. Yeah. Um. So yeah, let's get into it. So last week we started um, with some questions about me and how my childhood mm-hmm. was. Let's give you some of that same space and energy. Tell us a little bit about your childhood. Uh, my childhood. How's my childhood? Okay. Um, so my primary years were in Nigeria. Um, so I was born in Nigeria. Then my mom and I came to America when I was about one. Then, um, went back, uh, when I was five to live with my grandmother. So I was there with my grandmother till the age of 13. I had a pretty good childhood, you know, um, a regular childhood. I lived with my grandma, you know. I think in my primary years, I grew up as the only child. So even when I lived with my grandmother, it was only me, my grandma. Um, we had a house help. And maybe, like, my aunties or uncles would stay with us, you know, periodically. Cousins would visit every now and then, like, for Christmas, Easter. Um, but I grew up as an only child. So I do have that only child mentality. Um, I My parents were in America. So I didn't become close to my parents till like, my teenage older years. So I had, like, that gap. If that makes sense. And how do you think that, um, or do you think that there are any specific traumas from that that point out to you now as an adult? Yeah, definitely. I didn't even know, but um, I think, you know, when you do, when you grow up by yourself, and still, with even me growing up by myself, I didn't like, my grandma was in times to be like, oh, go visit your friends. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I didn't do any of those things. It was like, I saw my friends in school, and after a um, long vacation, it's like, oh, I don't see them for like three months. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it's like, and every school year, it's a new different class. It's a new set oh, of kids. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's not, it's, not, it's not the same cohort of people that you see every year throughout. It's a mm-hmm. different set of people. So I never really established like deep friendships in mm-hmm. my primary years, you know, mm-hmm. maybe a little bit in my secondary school years. Um, I was in secondary school for three years in Nigeria. Then I came here. So I still keep in touch with one of the, you know, some of them, but I feel like now, um, I didn't realize how much of a distance person I am. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't really like, I'm a friend that, yeah, we're cool. We're close. You know, I'm a good friend. I'll be th- there for you in, in any manner you need, but I'm not the type where it's like, I'm not super close to people. I don't allow people to get close to me like mm-hmm. that. You know, I don't also like keep in touch per se, or even when people do try to, I don't allow it. You know, mm-hmm. it's like, I just kind of allow, I give a gap, you know, because I think, I don't know, it was the, the gap in a way felt like a comfort zone as a safety zone, you know, like you need a security blanket. Yeah. Because like. I guess, you know, the older I get, the more I realize is like, I think in a way I felt abandoned, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, even though I love my grandma, my grandma's like my first mom and all but um, a part of me, a part of me, I felt unbound, abandoned in the sense that um, I guess because I didn't have that deep relationship with my parents. You know what I mean? And your parents are like your primary peer, your caregivers. They're the ones that you're mainly close with, you know. Um, and I didn't grow up with siblings like that as well. Um, so it's just hard for me to create those tight um, connections with people, whereas like it's an intimate, emotional, mental connection and. I realized that in my adulthood, you know, in my relationships, I do show those things. I remember my therapy, especially with men, I'm more like that with men. So when did you, when was the first time you were able to identify this as a problem in your adult life? Like, Hmm. what was that moment that you were like, okay, I think that this is now an issue? issue." Um, I'll say two occasions. I would say when I was in college, my former best friend um, she had certain expectations that I just did not meet. And in my head, I'm just like, uh, 
you know, like, what is it? But, you know, to her, a best friend is someone that you do things with. Like, you see on a regular basis, you go out, you have fun with, they're part of your family, you know what I mean? Like, I'm not used to intertwining or being into someone else's family. Mm-hmm. You know, like, the concept of, you know, in Nigeria, we call other people's mom, mommy. I don't do that. Mm-hmm. Even to today, I, I just cannot. You know, I'm not a disrespectful person, but I'm not going to call someone who's not a mom, mommy. Or if I do, it's just like, oh, you know, like, it's, it's not something that comes natural for me. So at that moment, I was like, oh, okay, you know, this is what friends do. You know, mm-hmm. friends is not just someone that, oh, you guys see each other or call once in a while. It, you know, it, it's a friendship. It's mm-hmm. to maintain a friendship. It has to be. It's a relationship. It, exactly. Mm-hmm. And I think really I felt it more in my adult years and as how I relate to men. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. one comment that my therapist said was like, oh, yeah, you know, Erica, you you say you want this and that, but you don't carry yourself or show to be emotionally available. You know, and if you do that, uh, men will perceive that as well. It was like, uh, and I've gotten that too. Like, oh, girl, you too. I've had a guy say you act like a nigga. Like, you act like a guy. You're so cold, you know. You don't, you're not really mm-hmm. affectionate or, you know, super warm or welcoming, at least in the beginning. It takes and, me a while to warm up. And you think that that is because of, um, like, kind of just kind of having to grow up. In, in not in solitude, but just like you have to be your own friend for a while. Like you have to support yeah. yourself and like be your own person emotionally. Yeah, definitely. I think a major part that played a role to that is, um, so my dad, when I see my dad, my dad is actually my stepdad. You know what I mean? And he's been my stepdad since I was six years old. And to today, I, I cannot imagine my life without him because it's important to have a father, you're a male right. figure in your life. Now, he's not a perfect man, but he's, you know, he's flawed, he's, you know, but the impact is, he's made, it's, I, I'm confident because of the, you know, his impact in my life, you know what I mean? He made me feel confident within myself. Um, but, so because I've had him, I never thought about my biological father, you know what I mean? And my biological father has not been in my life since... Um, my mom and him separated. They were married. So since they separated I, when I was three, I've not seen or heard from him at all. So I think my adult years, actually recently, like this year, I was just like, wait, I'm actually hurt. Like this motherfucker was not in my life. Like, oh, like he never like called or tried to, you know, my mom is not the type to be like, oh, I'm going to keep you away from your father or whatever. Right. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So a, a part of me, I just realized that I am, I think that's another part of the abandonment that I got too, mm. right? It felt like rejection. It felt like abandonment. And then I, I showed that with men too. So I'm not really trusting, or not even just men with relationship, but like men in general. Just, Whether just, it's men, uh, friends, I'm more defensive. I'm more like, like I'm ready to attack. So, so I like how you're kind of like explaining that that is like a trauma that's targeted itself in a gendered way. Mm-hmm. How would you say... Um, that trauma has affected you with women? Oh, with women? Um, not really. It has not. Uh, I grew up with women. And, possibly, you know, great, thankfully, I grew up with strong, confident women. I didn't grow up with catty women. I didn't grow up with insecure women. My grandma was a solid, strong, boss woman. You know what I mean? She was kind. You know, my aunties, my mom, you know. So whenever I'm with women, like, I, I've never had a confrontation with a woman. I've never yelled at a woman. I've mm-hmm. never, like, fought a woman. I mean, you've had little, you know, you know, with a friend or stuff. But I'm like, oh, I'm going to fight that bitch, you know? Right. I want to tear her, you know, scratch her up or pull her hair. Um, no. So I think, if anything, it's my relationship with women are much easier. Like, I'm more, if anything, I think I allow women to say more shit to me. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because I'm like, okay, you're a woman. It's okay. Then where you coming from? Because maybe some man just did you bogus. Mm-hmm. But if it's a guy, I'm just like, uh, excuse me, like who are you talking to? Um, and I don't like that I do that. Mm-hmm. I, I don't like that. Um, um, I didn't know that. I, I think I still have a, a grudge and a disdain. And um, it's easy when you rub, you know, put things on the carpet. Like, oh, okay, your biological brother wasn't there, and so what? I'm okay yeah. to today. But it actually still hurts because he's alive. He's right. well. You know, I'm not going to look at his Facebook page sometimes. I'm just like, damn. Like, this is your own blood. Like, I don't, you mm-hmm. know, the concept of um, when, you know, whether it's a father or a mother and, you know, it's not like you give the child up for adoption or it's not right. like, you know, it's, you know, there's some situations where, you know, you cannot take care of a child. And right. I understand those. But it wasn't any of that at all. It was just like, you it was a just, choice. It was a choice that you made and you, you're still actively making those choices. You know what I mean? So, um, I know that, that your, um, 
that parental part is a is a was a big part of your childhood trauma. Mm-hmm. Um, so as you got older, especially because you like moved to America and yeah. everything, um, do you think that there were other traumas that began to happen as you as you grew older and things started to build on each other? Uh, I think one that I'll say is acceptance. You know, oh man. Um, I think, you know, I'm a confident person, and my confidence also derives from the fact that, also derives from the fact that I'm able to not just think about stuff. You know, I'm just like, ah, oh, okay, mm, I'll keep it moving. I'm just like, mm, I'll keep my head up high, whatever. I'm hurt, though, but I don't allow myself to feel those hurt. So I sent this in the way, because, you know, my, my dad, remember when I said my dad is my stepdad, so my dad, he also has, you know, other kids. And, you know, you after a while, I realized that not all of them, like, likes me for whatever reason, you know, and, you know, that's a whole different whatever. Um, and it hurts because it's like I'm not used to not being liked at the same time, you know. So I, I try to always be good and kind. And, you know, of course, they may also be, oh, nice and a general aspect. But, you know, you people, little, little yeah. shade, mm-hmm. little whatever. So it just made me feel like, damn, this is another, you know, rejection. This is another, like, abandonment in a sense. It's like, oh, why can't you fully, you know, cause, because, um. Because I still have my um, biological father's last name. And so because I don't have, again, I didn't grow up with siblings, you know. Mm. So I was excited, like, I'm coming to America. Mm. Siblings. It's going to be a two-parent household, this and that, whatever. I'm going to see them, you know, what all these things. So because I was excited for that and I did not fully receive that, it, it added another layer of trauma. You know, it added a, another layer of I guess, in a sense, insecurity, you know? Mm-hmm. And, I, you know, in a, in a way, I noticed that I tried, like, you know, even to today. You I find re- yourself pleasing people. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Even to today, I, I, you know, no matter what I refer to them as my siblings, I'm not going to be like, oh, you know, mm-hmm. like, I'll always count them. But, you know, last year, some occasion happened where it's like, it was so blatant that I was excluded out. Mm-hmm. And with my dad, like, my dad loves me so much. That's one thing I would credit my dad for. He never, ever made me feel like the stepchild. Never, not for one occasion. He's never said, I don't know if he's saying anything behind my back, but to me, oh, he's never said anything like, oh, that's my, my wife's daughter. Never. Right. So, but uh, last year, an occasion happened when I was excluded. And I was just like, damn, y'all bitches don't like me forever. <laughs> <laughs> like, y'all couldn't even hide it anymore. You know what I mean? Right. And it was just like, and you know what I was upset about myself? It's like, I didn't really stand up for myself in that situation. Mm-hmm. And it shows, it's back to me being always alone and also not real, you know, it's certain social things that, you know, once yeah. you be able to do, you know what I mean? And I was going to ask, like, um, are there are there effects that you're surprised now that kind of affect you based off of those traumas? Kind of like, um, you know, when, when I spoke of, similar to that wanting to be accepted and being, like, excluded, that I ended up creating bad friendships just because... I didn't know what the framework for a proper friendship mm-hmm. was. And so, you know, I, it, it triggered another thing. So is there an, uh, something that that has affected you now that you are not surprised, but it's like, damn, like this is because of that that kind of maybe took you aback or... Huh. Let me see. Let me see. Let me think. Um, hmm. I think it's... I think I'll say is speaking up for myself. I think that's the main thing, especially when it comes important things. I speak of myself, but it depends on the situation, you know? Um, but it's, but then, okay, you asked me about relationship with women, okay? So I guess with women, I don't really, you know, I said I don't speak up, you know? So with that, and you, you know, the situation I was referring to is mainly, like, with dealing with women, too, uh-huh. you know what I mean? So that was my first, one of my first negative experiences with a woman that did not like me. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I was really nervous to be, go up to her and be like, yeah, like, you know what's going on, you know? And I approach another sibling of my um my brother about it that I'm closer with. I'm like, you know, like gee, help me out now. <laughs> like what you say in this situation. And his response it it wasn't what I wanted to hear. Yeah. Or I, I, I felt like I felt like support. Yeah. You know, so again it was like, damn, I felt abandoned again. Mm-hmm. So I felt like my feelings of abandonment, I, I didn't st- start to identify it till this older age, right. right? So it's like, now when certain things happen, you know, that I feel like, oh, you did me bogus, I, I push away a lot, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? So I don't, not like I don't forgive, I do forgive, you know what I mean? Even just as a child of God, you have to forgive, whatever. But I just push away a lot. And I don't like that 
I had a relationship with men, whether it be my brother, you mm. know, whether it be with, uh, you know, a boyfriend or my dad or whoever, I just push away. I, I, there's one, um, a, my mom's pastor, like, he calls me just to check on me, but I just be like, why is this man calling me? Like, I literally will not pick up. Yeah. He didn't do nothing to me. You know what I mean? Just don't but I just would like, mm, why? Yeah. Like, mm. So I think the main trauma is just dealing, you know, dealing with the fact that, you know, another things that I realized I don't know a whole side of me. My last name is Akirimisi. I don't know anything about Akirimisi. And I don't like that at all, you know. Um, you know, with, as Nigerians, there's power in our names. Like my name being Moniade, you know, it's short for Mona. My name being Monade, it means I have a crown. So I am from a royal family. And back in those times, women were the kings in those village, you know. Mm-hmm. So the fact that my paternal grandmother named me that, it's it's a powerful thing, you know what I mean? Like that's that's legacy, that's lineage. Um, but I don't know. I really don't even know what my side. That's how the family looks like at all. You know what I mean? I don't look like you know. Sometimes I try to look sim, uh, look at similarities. Like when I show people the picture of my dad, they're like, "Oh yeah, you, I see you look like your dad." But I'm like, "Dude, you know he ain't really my dad." You know what I mean? But I get so excited. People say that like, "Oh, you could see him and me a little bit." You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Or me and my little sister, we look alike. I'm mm-hmm. like, "Oh, y'all see that?" You know. But in the sense, in actuality, I don't know what my other side look like. You know what they're about, what did what they do. I ha- I don't know anything. You know, and it, it actually hurts. You, f- I feel displaced. I think that's the mm-hmm. word. I felt displaced as a child. You know, moving here, a whole different culture. It's f- it felt like a little displacement. You know, growing up. You know, trying to establish relationship with siblings and trying to feel one and feel accepted. You know, and things happen. You know, different situations happen. We think the last few years, last year, where I just felt like, oh, it's not unconditional love. Yeah, because that was, that was yeah. going to be my next, my follow-up was, um, what was the moment you would say in your adult life that you realized these are obstacles and I should try to get through it? Um, I would say, I think therapy. You know, I started therapy two years ago. Um, and I think recently I was talking to a friend about a certain situation and based on my reaction um, based on how, again, as I said, I'm the type to put, you know, brush things on the carpet. Like I'll be sad, but I don't allow my, I don't allow myself to feel yeah. emotions. Like even with the guy, I'd be like, all right, I'm mad. We ended. Shh, keep it moving. And I think it's a strength and weakness at the same time. Mm-hmm. You know, it's good that I'm able to not to dwell in things and be like, life goes on. I'm gonna be crying over anybody. But at the same time. I'm also robbing myself of those emotions. And then they show up in different ways. Mm-hmm. You know, whether it is professional, whatever it's just, even if it's just regular friendship. So I think it's, it was recently, and I mean recently, like a few months ago, where I'm just like, why am I so hurt about little things? You mm-hmm. know, why am I so emotional? You know, why do I feel like, you know, like when it may not even be a deep ass situation, you know, right. but because I've just guarded myself and not attended to, I did not, I've not, I did not attend to my emotions at mm-hmm. all. I did not attend mm-hmm. to myself. I abandoned my emotions. The way I feel like people abandoned me, the way I feel people rejected me, the way I feel like some people did not show me unconditional love, knowing that I have that for them, I ended up doing those same things to myself to as well. Um, yeah. Have you forgiven um, the, the people that you say caused your trauma? So I guess for you, you're saying kind of like it, it originated from your parents. Yeah. So how would you say, um, have you forgiven them? Have things altered? Have there been conversations? Um, I talked to my mom about my biological father because that's something we never fully talked. You know, you know, we talk here and there, but, um, and I never had any grudge against my mom. Like, so my mom, I guess when I talked to her about it, she started crying. Um, and she's like, oh, I am so sorry. I'm like, girl, I don't blame you. Haven't my father, could forgive my biological father? Um, no, I have not. And I, I mean, not that I... I don't. I don't know if the word is forgive. Okay. Okay. Actually, maybe no. I have not. Because right, I'm actually still angry. I have not. But it would happen once a conversation is had. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Once I hear your side of the story, like I don't know, it would happen. Now the rest concerning other people, life goes on. Yeah, I've forgiven it, but I, I've forgiven them, but I won't forget it. Yeah, I won't forget it, and it's like my relationship is not going to be the same. It's just not going to be the same because I just have to protect myself in that way. And I think this one thing, what I learned is like, you know, when you peep certain things with people, it's okay. That's how they are. You know what I mean? They don't, they're not feeling you. They don't like you or whatever. And that, that's absolutely fine. Like I've learned not to take things too personal. Like that's how they are. Cool. Yeah. But it's not going to stop me from showing my unconditional love. It's mm-hmm. not going to stop me from being there 
for them if they need me. Mm-hmm. I would be there, you know what I'm saying? Till today, I'd be like, yep, that's my sibling. Woo-woo. But I don't know that if I need help, if I need assistance, if I need anything, I'm going to hit you up, darling, <laughs> before I hit them up. You know, and this is no shade. This yeah. is not whatever. But this is, you know, just my own personal story, my own personal emotion. Like, yeah. you know, it's it's absolutely okay. You know, and the main thing is, like, I have God, my father. You know, the, you know, older I get, you know, the more I get closer to God. Like, God is the everlasting God. You know, he's the one that his love is everlasting, never ending. You know, like in my moments of weakness, of strength, I hear and feel the Holy Spirit holding me and saying, it's okay, you know. And I got my mama, G. My mama is like the best. I can't even lie. Like, she's not perfect, but she's the best. Um, I have my little sister. I have, you know, I do have people, you know what I mean? You know, some of my siblings are there for me. So it's actually, it's like the main thing is me being there for myself mm-hmm. and truly loving myself through thick and thin, truly loving myself within it all, whether I am, experiencing a trauma, allowing myself to feel those things, not neglecting myself, you know. Um, me crying or being emotional does not mean I'm weak. You know what I mean? Do you blame yourself for any of these traumas? Do I blame or? myself? Um, do I blame myself? No, I don't blame myself. Because I know I wasn't, I was an innocent child. That, that ain't my fault. I don't blame myself. Now I blame myself in situations where I should have spoken up for myself, mm-hmm. you know, in situations where, you know, I could have handled certain things different. Um, but no, I, I don't blame myself at all. Mm-mm. It ain't my fault. Shit. But I know I'm a, I'm a great, beautiful woman. So I'm like, yeah, no, I don't blame myself. So now, um, now that you have all this insight and everything, how are you healing from it? How are you, um, changing the narrative for yourself? Uh, I'm changing the narrative by having those conversations with myself, by feeling things, um, by speaking to my mom about, you know, asking certain questions, you know, by therapy, but just being more open. You know, you could guard yourself, but be still be open at the same time. Right. You just have to find a ba- right balance. Um, you know, I have a little sister that really looks up to me, you know, and there's a situation where I noticed that I kept on telling, like, you need to speak up to your first. Like, we need to do this. But I felt like a hypocrite. Like, girl, do you even do that for yourself, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so I think those are things. And, you know, just praying. And I've told myself that I am eventually going to reach out to my biological father. I am. Like, sooner than later, actually. Whenever my head spark, I'll just do it. Like, you know, <laughs> I, you know, I'm like, I, hi, I am Erica Manalia Creamy and apparently I am your daughter. What's going on? You know what I mean? <laughs> and, um, yeah, I think those are the things I'm going to do. I, I want to do that this year. I want mm. 2020 to rid, you know, of, to be, to get rid of all of my trauma, my pain, my insecurity, I know that 2021 is going to be a great, you know, blissful year. Um, And I want to start fresh, you know. I don't want to, there's no reason to prolong drama or baggage. Why keep keep on holding on to it? This shit is heavy enough already. So I'm tired of dragging shit around. I think that's, yeah. Do you have any closing remarks of how you would, a, a little bit of advice that you would give to your childhood self? Oh. But I think of myself as a little girl and how I felt. Ah, um, it's not your fault. I think I'll say that. Um, well, now that you asked me, do I blame myself? I didn't blame myself, but you know, sometimes you do think like, what is it about me? You know, mm-hmm. um, I don't know. Sorry. No, <laughs> yeah. you know, I'll say, um, having known you for as long as I've known you. I see how much you're overcoming so many different things and how much you've grown and how open you are because you were closed off. Like, yeah. I really, like, we probably wouldn't be friends if I wasn't, like, an, a pestering oh, person yeah, totally. to begin with. Oh, like, really? Girl, you should stay. I'm like, what? I'm, like, such an annoying you person. But, but I can't, you know, it, it, it turned out good. Um, but, yeah, and, and I think that once you started peeling off some of those walls and layers yeah. and exposing yourself... Um, you know, you were able to really, truly find your own light. Yeah. And I think that we're, you know, it, it's it's just, it's a process. It's a process. We're not 15 anymore. Yeah. You know, and I think this is the first time in a long time that we're able to have an authentic reflection of our lives. Like, we've lived enough and we were conscious enough for it. Yeah. To really see it. So. Yeah, I would say, Mona, like, you are a star. You've always been a star. And sometimes some people see it, they can't handle it. Mm-hmm. Or they don't like it. Mm-hmm. 
And that's okay. But don't dim your own light because of it. You know, don't yeah. feel like you have... Sometimes I feel like I have to shrink myself and not be too... Mona, you know, yeah. in order not to make people feel threatened or insecure or whatever. Um, so, yeah, it's like, girl, keep on shining, girl. Mm. That's what I would say. <laughs> and I received that for you. Oh, thank you. Thank I you. receive it for you. All right. Hi, thank I you guys for you. joining us in that this series that we've done of our childhood traumas. Mm-hmm. Um, and we really hope that y'all grow from it yourself. So, yeah. You know, let's lift the mood back up with a little bit of music. Make me lose control. Actually, no, black excellence. Oh, snap. I stay skipping the excellent black people. I'm sorry, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> uh, black excellence. Who's your black excellence? My black excellence this week is actually Miss Kiki Palmer, okay? um, So, if you guys don't know, Kiki Palmer is to host the VMAs. This weekend, actually tonight, because it's Sunday. So she's hosting the VMAs tonight. And um, this is extra excellent because Kiki is actually the first person, the first black woman to be doing this um, since 1989, I believe. I think it's 87. 1987. That's a long time, G. That is a long time. That's like 30-something years. Yeah. Like what? Like Wolf 26? Yeah. And what? Yeah. And I'm just proud of Kiki because Kiki does nothing but um continue to inspire us and be goals. You know what I'm saying? Like Kiki is really, really, really goals. Like she she stays in her lane and she keeps growing in it. She stays in her lane. Like she don't do too much. Like you know, she's an actress, a singer, a musician. She's she's a she's a talent. She's indeed. multifaceted. Yes, the first woman since 1987. That's crazy. That is crazy. That's a shame. That's a shame. But shout out to Kiki. Let's give a little round of applause. Mm-hmm. Um, and my um, black excellence goes to um, 23-year-old Nigerian. He is creating a digital collection of African stories for children in different languages. His name is Dominic Onyekachi. And he said that um, he was reading to his six-year-old niece. And he found out that many of her books were foreign and had very little African representation. And, you know, as an African child, that... You don't even know, but when you get older, you realize that, oh, you didn't really see a lot of representation at all. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um, so she said she, there's none of it in her books because all the textbooks or the books is more American or foreign or westernized. And it's like to be able to see that, um, I think it's a wonderful thing that he wants to do that. And he's a 23-year-old man. They were to realize that disparity that we have, you know, in our books, in, in our media, I think it's, it's, it's a great thing. Um, so shout out to him. Yes, I love it. I love seeing them. Mm-hmm. So now we could go to a music made me lose control. Oh, you never do it. I was I was letting you get it off because like mm-hmm. I mean you, you, you the let's go. Oh, let's let's start again. I'm sorry. Oh Lord, you stay missing. Music made me lose control. Let's go, let's go, let's go. Okay, no, bye. <laughs> <laughs> All right, no, but uh, let's get into it. So this week on Vlad, you know, Vlad stay with the compelling interviews. Um, Akon was on there, and he revealed some little things about himself. He revealed that he passed on Drake because he thought that Drake sounded too much like Eminem. I'm trying to say, like, when? I mean, I don't know. You know, you I'm, are more of a Drake fan, so he follows think, I his... Think, I think that style of Drake's penmanship of like maybe writing his life story and having like maybe the content might have been similar, but I wouldn't. It wouldn't his have flow been. Is not yeah, Eminem. I wouldn't have said that like Drake and Eminem were reminiscent of each other. But in that same interview, he also mentioned that he felt that um, T Pain could have been a bigger artist if T Pain would have branched out um, to more pop stuff. He said that T Pain stayed too urban. And when we say urban, what do we mean by that? You mean that? black people. He said that T-Pain did black people music. That's what urban means. I guess. Yeah, I guess. Because when you even think about Akon's career, there's a time where he was really doing pop music. Mm-hmm. Like, he was, you know, he was that, that rapper that was featured, you know, like, what was this other rapper? Too? Flo Rida. Flo Rida, uh-huh. yeah. So it's like, that's what really made them blow. Like, you know, the mainstream music. So, you know, yeah. I he, mean, he I, think that, I think that, I think that, it's just a toxic thing to say out it loud is. only because I think that there, we got to get out the ideology that if white people are into it, then it's popular. Yeah. Cause I think that pop music is just supposed to be like popular music, but are we only defining popular by what white people like? Cause like 
T-Pain, to me, is a legend within the, the genre of music that he's in. And I think it's okay that he just didn't branch into pop. And I don't think it took away from... He makes money. He's still making a lot of music today. He's still writing for a lot of people today. Like, it's not like he fell off or whatever. He might not be in the forefront. Mm -hmm. But I don't think that T-Pain is not a legend in his own right. I think it also shows that how much, you know, we as black people, we do make the popular music. We do make the cool music. But I think in that statement that Akon said, it just shows how much we don't have power when it comes to media, entertainment. Like, all these record labels are owned by white people. So I guess, in the, you know, he's saying if he really wanted to be big, and then it's like, who are the ones who really buy music? Do black people really buy music? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Do we really buy music? Do we own our music? Not really. It's the white people. So I guess, you know, um, what, they're the ones who's going to buy your music and, you know, legally streaming, things like that. Mm-hmm. Not to say all black people do that, of course. Yeah, I know what you mean. Um, but I guess in that sense, it's like, you know, if you don't don't want to be in just in that bubble. Gotta go to the Another news. So, Monica and Brandy, their verses is tomorrow, right? Mm-hmm. I think it'll be a beautiful thing. It, you know, R&B, soul, especially, you know, people that passed away. Yeah. I think it'll be a, a nice healing thing. I'm excited, you know. Um, I'm definitely gonna watch it because it's just like how, you know, just like how it was Erica Badu and, and Joe Scott. Scott. So, uh-huh. it gives me that similar feel. I don't know who I feel that would, Who's you gonna know. come out on top? I, I think know. it'll be close, but I think... It's hard because it depends. Like, I think also a big thing of verses is how they pair them up, like how they mm-hmm. unveil their catalog. Because, you know, Brandy could drop Full Moon and it'd be like, ooh. Uh, no, that was a you know what I'm saying? But first. then, like, Monica definitely has, like, don't take it personal, you she know, trust. Yeah. Just so many different things. So She does. I'm yeah. excited, though. It's a celebration of the culture. And I'm glad they say, you know, they take they took themselves out of the dramatics of the field for the longest. Because I don't know what the whole drama is when they say Monica and Brandy don't like each other. They I don't know what the story is. It's because uh, Whitney Houston. Because mm. Whitney Houston is Monica's godmother or so. And then and she's, she's also she, in Brandy's Brand- mentors. So yeah. some, some nonsense, I think, was like, that was what it was related about. Oh, uh, okay. Um, so Big Sean, he dropped, well, his album is dropping, what, September, September 4th? 4th. Yeah, so um, Big Sean is dropping his album, Detroit 2, ah. um, September 4th. I'm excited, because I've been thinking, like, where's Big Sean? He was supposed to been dropped. Yeah. And I guess, you know, everything happened with Corona and yeah. this, and the other. But he dropped the single that we played today, was the single that he's rapping today understand and hear like I could jam to his stuff but like I know what he's saying at the same time exactly you know you know I love those um consistent legacy acts and like Lil Wayne is another consistent legacy act that has put no ceilings which is you know if you know rap and hip-hop you would know like what the no ceilings mixtape mm-hmm. series was um and that is officially streaming on Apple music so oh, nice. and it's number one. Oh wow yeah, just dropped it it's already number one so that just lets you know how classic and timeless this body of work is. It sure is. Um, Jojo, she also dropped a new album called Good to Know. 16 songs. It's R&B and Soul. And I like that Jojo's coming. She's, you know, making a, a good comeback. A comeback you yeah. know what I'm saying? Like, she definitely has that soulful voice. I read somewhere, like, when she first came out, they wanted her to do pop and They stuff. wanted her to be Ariana Grande Exactly. And she was like, I really didn't, I grew up listening to Aretha Franklin. You know, I did not grow up listening to all this, like, you know, pop, you know, white people music. Um, so I'm happy that now she's able to make her own type of music mm-hmm. and be successful at it. So I definitely do wish her the best. I'll listen to it. Yeah, I liked her um, EP that she dropped. I listened to it and oh, I liked yeah? it. So yeah, so I look forward to it. Jasmine Sullivan also dropped a song. Yeah. Um, so shout out to Jasmine Sullivan coming back because yes, girl, we need that voice. Yes, we sure do. Um, let's get into our TV. So Orange is the new black um, actress. Her name is Taryn Manning. She is to star in a new crime thriller titled Karen. And we all know who and what a Karen is. Karen is, you know. Uh, Those white people that don't mind their own damn business. Those white ladies that call the police on kids selling lemonade, black kids selling lemonade on the yes. street, or people just having a good old time barbecuing with their family in the park, you know. White Those women are, that weaponize their whiteness. Period, you know. And I feel like she actually fits it. Oh, yeah. She, even, like, even her role, she turns to play, like, the white trash, low-key She's racist. definitely the white trash she is. stuff. And she actually did recently make some type of comment. I can't remember, but she did make a comment, you know, I think it was relating to this Black Lives Matter protesting thing. Um, so she, she fits it, and she looks greasy. She looked like white trash. Ooh. Sorry to say that sounded harsh, but she mm-hmm. got that white trash look. She sure do. 
And lastly, Garcelle Beauvais. Um, she is named the new co-host of The Real. What That's, do you think about that? Do you watch The Real? I watch a little bit of it. It's not like my show, but I if I if I see it, I'll watch it. Yeah. I think she's a good fit because she's currently on Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. Oh, is she? she I is. didn't know that. So she's the first black Real Housewives of, of Beverly, Beverly Hills. Hills. What? Yep. It's always like, you know, it's like Orange County, always white, you know, mm-hmm. white women. Um, so she's the first one, and she's been a good um, addition. You know, like, she, you know, she's confident herself. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. She stands on her feet. She don't, like, you know, she'd be like, oh, that's some white people stuff. Like, you know, she's, she's solid. I like her. I think she'll be a good fit. You know, I feel like she's outspoken, but I, she's not as obnoxious as Amanda. Amanda. And I and feel like Amanda is obnoxious. Amanda is obnoxious. And I also feel that... Um, you know, I don't know everybody's age, but I think it would be also nice to hear a little bit of a more seasoned woman's perspective on some of those yes. topics. Like, I think of all those women, you know, all of them are married and stuff, but she seen, she's lived a little bit longer and yeah. have a little bit more yeah. life and in a different way that's than all true. of them. That's, so that's very true. She has a different spice, I think. She's a grandma, too, now. Yeah, she has a different demographic to, to I, the show. I, and she's Haitian, so shout out to her Haitian sister. Yes. Um, so I think that's, I think it's good. I think it's good. I'm, I'm definitely excited looking for forward it, to it. If anything, I'll definitely watch an episode or two oh, yeah. of the show to see what's about. Um, but I think that's pretty much it that we have for our, our whole episode, I think. Mm-hmm, I think, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. you know, take us out with a quote, Erica. Oh, man. Uh, quote, quote, quote. Um, I'll say, listen to yourself. Feel yourself. Don't neglect yourself. Love yourself truly, no matter what anyone says. Don't deem your light, and don't let anyone deem it. You know, keep shining. Shine bright like a diamond. And this is Cross Cross Culture. Culture.